Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest is Joshua Arma, uh, co-founder and CTO of Distributed Intelligence. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Can't complain, man. Enjoying another Excellent. day in San Francisco. Yeah, the weather's good, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome, man. Yeah, sir. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, tell me about uh, Distributed Intelligence. What was the premise of the company? Um, so our focus is empowering businesses with smarter data. So our, our main focus is we're a consumer behavior platform. And we leverage social physics to help businesses understand the data better with their customers. And primarily, our main focus is doing that through advertising because, as you know, you know, human behavior or consumer behavior is heavily done in the ad tech space. And with us, we're launching uh, different products that curate that experience and ultimately an ad platform that will help revolutionize the way advertising is done today. So what... Um... So is this like banner ads, how people react to them, or like what, what part of advertising are you uh, looking the at? Way you, so the, IBM did a huge case study on the fact that advertisers are tired of doing cost per impression and cost per click because the metrics mm-hmm. sometimes are not always true. Like a person can lie about their age, then their phone number, you know, would have located, stuff like that. So what we're focused on doing is what's called cost per lead. So instead of engaging advertisers and saying pay for clicks and impressions, our advertising network will pretty much allow businesses to advertise and get a real result, which is a lead. And then we can incentivize media platforms with more uh, rewards from a you know revenue share perspective. And then they, we will have highly targeted audiences and we will still deliver programmatic advertising the way it's done now, but just with a more focus on uh, curating content for the right audiences and using that to generate leads for businesses and then having a cost per lead model. So if I um, advertise for you, I don't pay again for impressions. I pay for actual leads that I get. People filling yep, out a form it. or making a call to, to me, right? Yep. And your, your visibility is not what you charge for, right? The visibility and exposure only for what comes to the pipeline. So it's a good it's a good business model because we look at stuff like AdSense with Google Hours and AdSense. They charge based on keywords, and keywords sometimes you know have higher value or lower value, and the people that are monetizing their platform with AdSense, you know, they make good money if they have a, a lot of money. I mean, a lot of people in the audience, but overall, it's pennies on the dollar, it's cents on the dollar, right? Where we could take, let's say, for instance, we say it's $5 per lead, we can split half of that with a media platform. So for every lead that they help generate through an organic inbound approach, they get a higher reward and a higher incentive, and then the business can get a real result, which is a customer that has subscribed to either the newsletter the email uh, list, or even just, you know, capture them with a click funnel. So it would give them a higher return on their advertising dollar and give them better metrics so that when they want to do further things, you know, they have real leads that they have gotten out of our network, and we are able to do that with exclusive uh, media audiences that we partner with. Yeah, so, I've, you know, I've done a lot of lead generation myself and advertising and all that, and I know that there's, like, click farms in India and, you know, all kinds of fake followers, all kinds of stuff like that. So are you using 
AI to make better results for people, or is it just that you know how to work with the ad platforms and you know how to lead generate better? Where's, where's the bottom line is with, with AI, the idea is that you don't have to program AI, right? Once you train a neural network, um, or once you have a machine learning in place, you can, you know, leverage the uh, trained data sets, and then the algorithm can then work with new data, right? But the main focus with AI for us is let team advertising agencies and advertisers access AI. Think about it like this. If you had Google Assistant for marketers, that's what we're offering with AI, where when you want insights, instead of mining for data, you can literally just deal with an assistant, which is in the form of an agent, and then that AI tool can give you responses that are generating based on what you're looking for, whether it be keywords, uh, what is trending currently, how to market your content better off of your learning about your data. So this helps tremendously because, you know, there's a lot of middlemen that pay, they get paid to consult and they get paid to charge for their knowledge. We're, we're at a state now in life where AI is becoming like electricity, right? It's, it's going to become a commodity. So at some point, we're, every major advertiser platform is going to have to release AI to their um, advertisers, you know, so that they can use their agent instead of just trying to, you know, pay high-end consultants to manage campaigns, and there's nothing wrong with consultants, but it's just the way it's done now. I can charge you $20,000 if I have a successful quick funnel per uh, consultation, and then you're, you're stuck paying high fees. And these, these are not for results, this is all strategy, right? So in the strategic right. planning, AI is very helpful, you know, and, and the discovery of, you know, buyer personas is very helpful. So that's where AI is a good marketing assistant, and that's what we're curating, just trying to help to uh, speed up their process when they have their personas, they can go after the right target audience, and then we can deliver an ad network that gives them that audience. So where's the uh, where are you finding the um, you know the sweet spot here, or the benefit of what you do? Is it, I mean, like what is what kind of things is the AI finding, for instance, that's making the ad spend better, and and how much better? You know, you're able to quantify it, ten percent better, fifty percent better. I mean, what what do you see? So keywords specifically have sentiment, and our focus is sentiment analysis. So when you look at keywords. The emotional narrative around a keyword can change any day. Like, let's say, for instance, Bitcoin can have a positive sentiment on the web through the media and social networks today, but in two weeks from now, it's negative. So you have to constantly monitor the temperature of keywords. So letting people, what we're releasing first right now, our first, um, what we're going to market with right now to let customers utilize our platform, we're going to allow them to, you know, measure the sentiment of keywords. And that can help them understand the value of what they're going after because even if most people are still going to use regular advertising platforms like Google, radio, TV. I mean, it doesn't stop you from using what exists, right? The idea is that you at least be smarter about it, right? Don't waste money mining data just because you're trying to figure out who your customers are with keywords. And most business owners don't even understand how to go hack with keywords, right? So that's where, like, you know, the power of a hashtag can be unleashed when you understand the sentiment and where it's trending online, specifically on social media. Is it trending on Twitter? Is it trending on Facebook or Instagram? And if so, why? And what is the pattern of the time series on it, right, that gives you the value of this keyword and why has it trended over maybe 30 days or two weeks? That's where we are allowing AI to be just basically a tool that visualizes public web data and aggregates it for the end user so that they can utilize that for their value proposition on their advertising campaigns of keywords. So what kinds of things you must have found a lot of interesting results or strange things that you either could or couldn't explain. 
So what kinds of stuff have you seen that that was uh, interesting to you? Um, I think the easiest one to go after, and I'm not a, I'm not um, negative or positive about our politics, but like when you look at like the words Democrat or Republican, you look at like let's just say for instance, um, people are advertising right now immigrant immigrants, right? Like some advertisers are using that as a hashtag to to capture, you know, like politicians are using certain keywords for certain things, and I'm neither left or right, but the idea is that that keyword has a lot of power and it has a lot of emotion attached to it. So when you look at that, it's very interesting to see the results. Like when you like search Donald Trump or if you search immigration or you search certain things, you can see what's associated with it and what is trending or what is not. And then it's kind of showing you, like I'll give you an example. If I'm going to advertise on, let's say uh, Fox, right? Fox News, uh, they have a you know an advertising network that you can plug in and display their ads through all their Fox channels and also their online web presence, right? Um, mm. I need to know what websites not to touch, right? If I want to touch a certain audience, and let's say they're, they're giving it bad media, I need to know, hey, maybe I should stay away from the Wall Street Journal because they're not giving a positive, they're giving bad media on it. So it's not going to help with the audience going out there. And that's another thing, like not everyone uses Facebook and Twitter, right? Some people actually use ad networks through major publishers, right? So... That's another use case of the whole situation is like finding like the right media platforms to, to leverage for your advertising. Because let's say another advertiser, let's say another media platform is like um, doing something positive on Bitcoin, right? And they do positive write-ups on it, like TechCrunch. And that's a good thing to advertise on because now you're going to have a positive, um, a positive audience because they're reading they're reading positive media. But let's say there's mm. negative media. You want to know that before you go and spend money doing an advertising campaign on TechCrunch. And you can do all of this because it's all public web at the end of the day, right? They all exist. It's all, you know, since they use search engines, they all have their pages um, set up to be crawled by web crawlers, you know? So it's easy to, you know, measure the sentiment on their platforms and the web in general that have the ability to um, give us insights so that people can know where or where not to put their money outside of just Facebook and Twitter. So the strength of what you're doing is it sounds like you probably have a, an AI that's pretty good at figuring out sentiment, you know, various keywords and websites and all that. And that's how you can fine tune the advertising. So, you know, again, if I'm advertising something like you said about Bitcoin, I want to advertise on sites that are positive about it, not negative, and I'll get better results. Right, right, right. Unless you're, unless you're promoting something negative, for instance, right? Like you haven't, you, you want to go out right. to negative audiences, then you can, but... That's where, like, the, the way I did this was I trained a neural network. Right after I created a neural network, I've been able to plug it into um, supervised learning to allow it to pretty much have constant data feeds fed to it. And now it's pretty much at a point now where it's smart enough to give you those insights. And then we have a connected, obviously, with different APIs that then leverage, you know, web data that exists as it is today. So as the web grows and big data becomes more relevant in advertising, which it is it's very relevant in the world of advertising, you know, you're going to need to quantify, like, to say, if I do a market research survey and I want to do, you know, let's say I study, I, I ask 20 people, you know, hey, give me your feedback on this and I need to use that for, you know, my market research. That's not quantifiable because typically to get accuracy with human behavior, you need masses. You need to, you have to measure the masses, not a select focus group. And that sometimes gives us inaccurate analytics when it comes to when we're doing like research or survey data type um, endeavors to understand who we're going after more. 
as an advertiser, as a you know business owner. Hmm. Okay. So, what kind of um, what kind of success have you had? Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you need to consider well, right, the campaign or not. But how much better do things get with your analysis versus just blindly advertising? Well, I guess this is the bottom line, right? Back in 2008 and 2012, um, you know, I've been a programmer for 10 years. And um, 10 years ago, right, 2008, people were using regular broadcast media to advertise. And then Facebook and Google, all these different companies had a value proposition of you cannot track your analytics. Outbound marketing is old school. Inbound marketing is new school. Learn how. And you have HubSpot and all these other CRM platforms that leverage that and created a massive inbound industry that kind of forces you to use advertising. Then the government supported it with legislation that stopped you from kind of like having to, you know, call people randomly. So cold calling, cold email kind of became a thing like, you know, we can't really do that no more. You get fined and so complaining. So I'm sharing all that with you because going into um, 2012, right? All right, now we have this ability to analyze data. Now we have CPC and CPM, and that's great. But now we're in 2018 and things are so advanced. That's not enough anymore. It's like as tech evolves, as data and big data analysis evolves, we need more now. We need to really understand psychologically why why do our people buy our product. And out the box, Facebook does not do that for you. What you are able to do is understand Facebook users and then find niche Facebook user markets that you can go after and then kind of leverage. You know, they don't let you kind of, uh, you know, bid on advertising placement. You have to kind of just have a good story. And then your advertisements get displayed on who is most likely to want to see that based on their interest, right? So Facebook understands that they can't just randomly throw ads at people. Like Google at first was letting you bid on space, but now it's kind of like they're trying to make it more where if this interests you, we're going to show it to you. We're not just going to show it to you just because we have an option uh, bidding platform for our ads to go on. And now, with all of that being said, right, that doesn't fix the problem of are these analytics you're even getting real? Is the clicks are getting real? Meaning, am I getting valuable customers from these clicks? Am I getting valuable customers from these impressions? Obviously, Facebook is, they have a billion users, so that's how they keep fraud at a minimum because they verify the users. But typically in advertising, you're not, if you're just doing display advertising, you're not, you don't know. You know, you don't know who's doing these audiences on, like, let's say, like uh, MTV.com or, you know, all these different media platforms that exist. You don't know. So you have to now have more control over making sure the end user that's seeing your ad is real, a real person. And you also need to make sure that, secondly, you can study their behavior with, you know, in general. You, you want to know how their behavior works so that you can kind of match their patterns, their buying patterns, their fear of loss patterns. So all of that analytics that exists now is kind of starting to move into that world. Well, we're now, you know, consumer behavior needs to be very intuitive. That's why you have things like Watson, right? Watson marketing solves these problems as well. But not everybody's going to use Watson out of the box. They don't understand how to, the average advertiser doesn't understand what even sentiment analysis is. So it's too techy, right? How do you make this user friendly so people can just use it and understand what they're getting? So that's like where we come in with our, you know, value proposition to, you know, measure against where we are in technology with Web 3.0, as you know, blockchain is you know happening. So all the things happening in our world, we're going from Web 2.0 to Web 3.0, and you have to kind of blow up the right narrative now to transition into this new era of the web that we're in. So what kind of uh, campaigns have you worked on? What kind of companies or, you know, I don't know if you could disclose, but, you know, any case studies, what happened before, what happened after you intervened? 
So right now we're still like um doing working behind the scenes at the advertising network. What I can share with you is that the the tool I share with you, which is called Smarter Foresight, which allows you to pretty much, and that's a product of distributed intelligence that allows you to get the sentiment of the web. Um, people are very responsive to it. You know, some people want to see heat maps where they can see the the, the demographics of their their customers. Some people want to get more in de- in depth. Uh, in-depth analysis, but what I share with people, what we share with people is this, like, you know, there's certain legis- there's certain uh, privacy laws that exist, and we can't just give you, we can't just let you advertise based on someone being black, white, Hispanic. I mean, you, you can, I'm not saying it's illegal, but ethically it's not correct. So what we focus on is keywords, because keywords, you know, kind of like a blanket, is a blanket term, I mean, you can kind of do your own thing, right? And then we have self-guided um, resources that help you along the way so you can better understand what you're dealing with. Because even like I said, there's a million jobs and programming available by 2020 that won't be filled, and it's just as much in data, right? And most people don't even know how to work with data as it is raw data and even trying to, like, turn data. They don't know what to do with that. So what we're focused on doing is saying, hey, either you have data or you need to access big data, and you need to leverage that for keyword analysis, and then that gives you insight. So everyone's been very, you know, happy that this is a user-friendly product where you don't have to... It's not like Tableau or Google Analytics where you have to deal with all of this technical skill. You just see the results, and we make it very user-friendly with our experience, making it like if it's positive sentiment, you just see a smiley face. If it's negative sentiment, you see a negative face. So that's like how we kind of do it. We kind of try to gamify that data, the data experience so that you don't have to deal with these technical, technical words or jargon that are around typical you know, data scientists and data analysts that are doing it day in and day out, right? You, you just advertise. You want to see the results. So... That's been a feedback on the first product, Smarter Forces. The advertising network is going to roll out next year. So we feel like we're at, we're, from our, our customer discovery, everyone has been ecstatic that we're willing to pay them more than they get with AdSense or any other platform that they're, they're trying to monetize with. And on the flip side, people love the idea that, hey, cost per lead exists. Like, what? I can just pay for leads and it's not like buying a list. Cause, you know, you can't just buy lists of leads, right, without them being interested in the product. But you can offer lead generation that is uh, where you're just charging for lead and not charging for all the other stuff. So they, they're very excited about that. So there's a lot of traction. And the space is big enough for there to be multiple companies. Right? I mean, advertising is not going anywhere. So it's big enough for there to be multiple companies doing the same thing. So I don't have a problem sharing that, right? Because I don't feel like, you know, it's just about making it better and, 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 and being first to market or being a part of that um, new wave of uh, ad tech that exists. All right, so um, you're doing your lead generation. Like I said, you're even doing cost per lead, and then you're adding the sentiment analysis. Um, what's the next steps after that? How's it going to get better from there? So as with, like, the full-blown product, you know? Yeah, so the full-blown product is the ad platform, right? We want to we wanna have one of the world's best advertising platforms that give you access to human behavior. So our focus is giving people the understanding of social physics, Social physics is the underlying premise of everything. We want to be able to leverage social physics as a way for people to understand that, hey, look, our ad platform is geared by social physics. And because of that, it's basically studying the laws of nature with human beings and understanding the bio patterns. And that is releasing features that are more in-depth on the analysis side, but also more in-depth in terms of how highly targeted our lead generation is. That's the biggest thing, is that we're doing highly targeted, high-quality leads. And let's say, like, a car dealership, their average sales by thirty thousand bucks with a car loan attached to it, right? Where e commerce might be selling products for twenty bucks. They're not selling the same type of product. So they have two different kinds of uh, offers, you know? 
So that's where we are. Like our real value prop is the social physics space. And just to paraphrase social physics, you know, it is uh, basically the ability to understand uh, society and people through the masses and using basic physics like biology and others to measure that. And you're not having to worry about using machine learning with, with human behavior because the study what MIT put out is that machine learning is not necessarily good for human behavior because humans, uh, human behavior data is noisy. And that's the thing about human behavior that is different than machine-generated data, like sensors and other, other stuff that exists. So with machine learning being used for humans, is not necessarily the easiest thing to say, oh, this is the absolute uh, solution. That's why AI has issues now recognizing the difference between race, the difference between emotions. Like it, it has tangible problems that we know exist, right? So with social physics, we don't have to deal with that. And we can do better predictive analysis as grow the space of advertising, right? Because people want to be able to forecast what is going to happen when my advertising shows before I even spend any money. They want to kind of know the result. And Facebook already gives you kind of an understanding like, hey, this is the audience you can reach. And then they give you kind of tips to like kind of make it, this is the most recommended based on the AI. But overall, like I said, you still need to know what you're doing. So where we come in is that human behavior platform being very geared towards social faces and people understanding the patterns and the people that they're going after and releasing features that match that value. So what's involved in social physics? You said, you know, sentiment of, uh, you know, writers on a website, that makes sense. You know, any other factors you can talk about that, you know, are part of the formula yeah, so, of social physics? So social physics is an umbrella term. It's been around since Socrates and, you know, a long time, but commercially, uh, MIT has led that department and pretty much is just pretty much saying, look, like I said, machine learning or human behavior is, is not good. You cannot measure society with, just any machines, right? So it really kind of eliminates the need for machine learning because you're using uh, mathematical formulas and taking that and using it with basically humans that allow themselves to participate in giving their data voluntarily, right? So every time you sign up for a social media network, you're giving your data voluntarily. That's why they're able to leverage it and then give advertisers benefit. They're actually using social physics because it's called a living lab. And a living lab is where anybody gives their data and then you can track it um, in a micro way. So let's say Facebook tracks every user by the millisecond, not just by the second, and they have a billion users. They're a huge living lab. It's like a laboratory where people just voluntarily giving their data and it's a huge experiment. Then they can measure this over time, which makes them super valuable from a sense of being a data bank. And that's what the, that's the connotation of social physics is that, hey, Facebook knew we had to get a, a lot of users and offer to them for free. They pay with their eyeball, and then advertisers are able to get that in return from a standpoint of we know our users on Facebook because they are on our platform for connecting with friends, family, and other things and sharing their interests and likes. So that all you can think about all that Facebook has is a huge example of what social physics is all about, you know, and getting people to engage in that is, is harder because most people don't want to give their data away voluntarily, even though they already do it. But that's kind of what we're trying to do is gamify all of this so that as we move into the next, you know, ad tech revolution, it's not going to be more Facebooks, but you may see like more telegrams, right? Or more different kinds of media networks that allow you to engage with content, comment on content, and, and interact with content. You can measure all of that because they are interested in the content itself. So content is king and people always follow content. So we can leverage content as it exists to create what we call a living lab. And these living labs would be the, the, our partners, our, our media platforms that allows it to, you know, display these ads on the platform, and then we can measure 
we can measure that media platform analytics and we can measure the advertising interest and then we can measure the two against each other. And then social physics is pretty much a full blown, you know, discussion. So MIT, like I said, they have a huge repository of information and they're leading it. They're leading in the narrative of social physics right now at the industry. There's no degrees for it yet, but that's what they're working on doing, is making degrees literally to social physics. So that's like a huge area. It's like data scientists and people that want to work with big data um, to, you know, to, to okay. deal with. Well, you said machine learning, you know, maybe you can't directly figure out human behavior, but, I mean, you're using machine learning to figure out, uh, you know, social physics, right? Well, no, the idea with social physics is that, you know, you just take, like, laws and measures. Like, for instance, uh, we know what people like and don't like based off of the intuition. We can measure the brain, right? But when it comes to machine learning, Using that for the web is a different beast, right? Then saying, okay, social physics, big data is the driver of social physics. And what we do is we look at quantitative analysis. So we want to measure the masses, not individual people. We don't want to, like I said, do a small, you know, focus group of people. We want to do like a, you know, we want to measure against the world, right? Or at least a large population. Or if we take a small, let's say, a focus group, they're voluntarily giving us access to their data over, you know, milliseconds for the course of maybe a year so that we can have real analytics for that. But the bottom line is with, you know, machine learning, all that comes into place is just the field of it, right? Machine learning as a field has been around for a long time already. And what we are able to do with machine learning is pretty much, you know, there's parts of machine learning that can be used in the sense of human behavior. But because MIT has released that study in 2015 they did that, I had to pay attention to it because, you know, I didn't come, I'm not the inventor of social physics, right? But when you, you know, release a platform that's based on technology, you want to kind of be forward thinking, right? And see what does exist and see what doesn't exist and how can you fill the gap. So our, our value prop isn't necessarily machine learning stuff. It's just that we have the AI. The AI itself that can do prediction analytics, right? Or it can give you sentiment based on what you're looking for with historical data. Okay. Well, so what stage are you at if, you know, if we're going to direct people to contact you for help, you know, for paper lead type stuff, what's the best way to get in touch? And then um, are you able to help them right now or where are you at with uh, whatever? Sure, sure. So we have a product ready called for Smarter Foresight, which is already uh, up and running. Um, pretty much our go-to-market will be next month. We'll be releasing this product. I've worked on this behind the scenes for over two years. So personally, I mean, I'm not, I want to work in the dark before, you know, you release it to the, you know, customers and the public. So now that we have a product ready, you know, we're pretty much able to uh, onboard customers next month. So our go to market is September 25th. Uh, people can go to distributedintelligence.io and distributedintelligence.io is the website to, you know, view our, you know, content, sign up for the early access. And then as we roll out the product, everything will be under smarter foresight. Um, that's the name of the product, Smarter Foresight. So pretty much as okay. as it says, that's the key. Um, so other than that, I mean, the best way to contact me, I'm on Telegram, I'm on LinkedIn, as Joshua Armour. And also, um, I'm in the blockchain space, so anyone that's in blockchain, a lot of people do know about me, some people do or don't. I do a lot of blockchain development. We're leveraging blockchain for what we're doing, but it's not necessarily something you need to let people know about. Because blockchain is an underlying, you know, is a, a customer-facing product, right? So that's the um, detailed aspect of it. Okay, very good. Well, Josh, well, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. All right, hold on a second. You have been listening to Almost Here, a 
Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.